All right, so we are wrapping up our series, Inverted Greatness, today, and we've learned a lot about what Jesus thinks about true greatness. In fact, what, what we think is really greatness is really inverted from what Jesus teaches us about true greatness. For example, uh, we, we tend to think that if somebody's really great, people are serving them, and Jesus is like, no, not exactly. Actually, true greatness is when you serve someone else, right? We, we think that greatness is all about uh, self-reliance, you know, picking ourselves up off our own bootstraps or, and that kind of thing. And Jesus is like, no, no, really true greatness is about when you rely on the Holy Spirit for help. We think of greatness is our earthly impact and our earthly success. He's like, no, really, true greatness is about your eternal impact, right? So all, at every point, Jesus flips the table on what true greatness really is. And so today, I'm going to go ahead and give you the last lesson we learned from Jesus. And I'm just going to give it to you right off the top. Is that okay? Is it right? okay if I just go ahead and tell you right off the top what I'm going to say? So that then over lunch you can say, what did Craig talk about? I don't know. Did you write that down? He said it right at the very beginning. All right. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, when we think of greatness and the pursuit of greatness, uh, most of the time that pursuit is motivated by self-love. Right? Uh, I want to be great. I want to have these championships. I want to win this. I want to get this uh, position in the company. I want to have these many sales. I want to have this. I want to achieve this. And it's all about so I can have, I can have, people know me, that kind of thing. It's just like, you know what? Really true greatness is not motivated by self-love, but it's motivated by love for others. Real greatness is when you're willing to take a step back so somebody else can take a step forward. Real greatness is when it's not for your benefit that you do this, but for someone else's benefit. That's true greatness. I guess you could say it this way. Uh, a life of greatness is a life uh, of love. Uh, and so what we're going to do uh, today is we're going to talk about that. So I want you to get your Bible and I want you to open it up with me to John uh, chapter 15. John chapter 15, a, a life, uh, a great life is motivated by great love. John uh, 15. And uh, uh, let's just look at it uh, together. John 15, we're picking up kind of where we left off uh, last Sunday. John 15, beginning at verse 9. All right, this is the word of God. As a father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends and you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Now stop, stop right there. Um, this whole night is about love. 
In fact, I want you to take your pen and underline uh, the phrase, love one another in verse 12. You see it there in verse 12? Now run down to verse 17. You see it again. He repeats it again in verse 17. These really form the bookends that frame out the main idea that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about love. Remember, this is his last night. These are his last moments with his disciples. And I don't know about you, if you had one last meeting with your family, people close to you, you'd probably say the same thing. He's talking about love. He's like, guys, you've got to love one another. The whole evening started off with him showing them his love. If you looked over in John 13, beginning of verse 1, it says he loved them to the very end. How did he show them that? Well, he picked up a basin and a towel and he washed their feet, right? And then after he washed their feet and he sat down, he not only showed them love, but then he commanded them to love. In John 13, beginning of verse 34, he said, a new command I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He said, I'm going to give you a new command, guys, and that is to love one another. Now, you may be saying, well, Craig, you know, all right, I get that, but how is this a new command? I mean, isn't the command to love like really old, right? I mean, you go all the way back to the Old Testament, back to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, every Jewish child learned that as their first words. I mean, that's nothing new to love God, And then later on, Leviticus says, love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus puts those together as the two greatest commandments in the Bible. That's not anything new. What is this new love that he's talking about? Well, listen, uh, the love that Jesus is talking about is not new in concept, but it is new in quality. In other words, he's not saying love is new, but how we love is now new because here it is, as I have loved you, now you are to love one another. The quality of the love that I have given you is the quality of love you're to love each other with. Listen, um, in the early church, they were known for their love. Tertullian, one of our early church fathers, church uh, history fathers, uh, he said that the Romans would notice how they loved each other and he would say, look how they love each other. He's calling for a new kind of love. Listen, now more than ever, we need a new kind of love, don't we? Or did you agree with that? We need a new kind of love? Uh, listen, uh, there, there's been so much that has uh, tried to separate Christian brothers and sisters over the last couple of years. I mean, we've had so many wedge issues that our culture has been trying to drive between brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, are, are you masked? Are you non-masked? Are you vaxxed? Are you non-vaxxed? Are we meeting? Are we not meeting? Uh, uh, all kinds of racial tension and so on. Trying to wedge between followers of Jesus Christ and, and what Jesus is saying, hey, hey, oh, none of that really matters, man. We got to love each other. This world's going to try to separate one against the other. And what I need you to get a hold of is, guys, you've got to love each other. There has to be something palpable when you come in this room, that there's a real love that we have for each other, a real love that we share that's unlike anything outside these doors. You got to love one another. I don't know about you, but uh, I think we all need just a fresh renewal of love in our own hearts. Would you agree with that? I mean, I know I do. Hey, I've been getting it all week, all right? You get it for 30 minutes. I've been dealing with this passage all week long. And God's been just 
pointing his finger in my chest, you know, I need a renewal of love in my heart for brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be more loving. And I believe that Jesus is now showing us how to do that. When I say more loving, let me just clarify something. I'm not talking about a, uh, a compromising kind of love that just says, hey, because I love you, you can kind of do whatever you want and there's no right or wrong and we're gonna kind of ignore what God says is uh, right and true and, and we're just gonna kind of love each other regardless of how you live. I'm not talking about that. That's not true love. I'm not talking about a pandering kind of love that says, well, because I love you, I'll just kind of not have the hard conversation. There won't be any discipline. There won't be any, any confrontation or there won't be any accountability. No, 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 that, that would be a pandering kind of love. That's not real love. I'm talking about a love that's palpable, a love of Jesus, a love of grace and mercy and, and spurring us on to righteous living. That's the kind of love that we need. And that's the kind of love that Jesus talks about uh, in this passage. So how, how do we get to that kind of love? So let me give you a couple of thoughts here and you can jot these down. This is really Jesus' recipe to get a new kind of love. All right, first thought is write this down. Uh, you gotta receive Jesus' great love. Uh, you gotta receive it. Listen, before you can give love to other people, you have to first receive the love that Jesus has for you. Look at verse nine. As a father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now just think about that for just a minute. How, how much does a father love the son? Can anybody tell me that? Uh, hard to describe that, right? How, how much does a father in heaven love his son? I mean, it's, it, you can't fully describe that. I think about at Jesus' baptism, right? When, when Jesus baptized, it's like the father's like so excited about it. He, has to, he can't, can't hold himself back. He has to split heaven open and say, that is my son whom I love, right? I love him. When you think about that, there, if you were to do just a simple Google search on verses about the father's love for the son, you get about 25 verses of, of over and over throughout the scripture about the father's heart entwined with the son's heart. The father's love is unending. The father's love is immeasurable. The father's heart is unstoppable. The father never stopped one time even loving his son. I believe even at the cross, the father was loving him even then and seeing that on the other side of the cross and his glorification... And so there is, there's, there's this immense love of the Father for the Son. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you can get a hold, if you get your arms around how much the Father loves the Son, then you can begin to get a glimpse of how much Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves you with the same love the Father has for him. He loves you like that. His love is immeasurable. As high as the heavens are above the earth, the psalmist says, so great is, is his love for those who fear him. I mean, you can't measure that. His love is, has no end. Romans 8 says, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not heaven and hell, not angels and demons, not die, uh, life or death, uh, not, not peril or the sword. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It's just something that you have to receive. He uses the word remain in my love, to receive it, to let it settle down. Have you received the love of Jesus? You know, when we were kids, 
Uh, we used to sing a song. If you grew up in church, you probably know this song. I uh, used to sing a song. I'll, I'll start it. You finish it. Jesus loves me. Oh, you've heard the song, right? You've heard that song before. Yeah, Jesus loves me. And, and, and why do I know that? Somebody tell me. Because the Bible tells me so. That's what the song says, right? And as children, we just receive that, right? Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. I remember uh, when our girls were really little. They were just little children. I remember one day Liz was putting our youngest daughter up on the changing table to change her diaper. And as she was changing her diaper, uh, she looked up at Liz and said, Jesus loves me. She's like, whoa, that's true. We got a little theologian here on the diaper changing table, right? And, and she began to wonder how to, how, you know, why did this come to her mind? And, and then she began to ask questions and come to find out there was this one lady that worked in the preschool department. And every time she would change a child's diaper, she would look at them and say, Jesus loves you. And that just was in her head. Listen, it's so easy to receive that when we're children, isn't it? Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. But when we get older, it's a little harder to receive it. We start saying, you know, well, Jesus doesn't love me, you know, because of all the mess I made in my life or the issues with my past or the sin I'm struggling with. He couldn't love me. Or Jesus doesn't love me because I don't feel like he loves me. I just don't feel the love of God anymore. Or, yeah, he loves me as long as I earn it and as long as I do all the right things, but he doesn't really love me. But I, I want you to listen to me. I want every eye right up here. What I need you to understand is that Jesus really does love you. And as the Father has loved him with that same love, he loves you. And you gotta receive that. You gotta receive it in faith to receive that love. Listen, you, you cannot give something you have not received first. Brennan Manning years ago wrote a story about a friend of his named Elliot who went to go visit his uncle on his 80th birthday. And Elliot went to go visit Uncle Seamus. Gotta love that last, that, that, that name, right? Seamus, gotta bring that one back. And, uh, and so uh, on his 80th birthday, Uncle Seamus and Elliot, his nephew, uh, got up in the night and they went out to the beach and they stood in silence to watch the sunrise on his 80th birthday. And as they were standing there, uh, they watched the, the, the sky turn from black to shades of purple and then pink and then, and then finally a little crest of golden light uh, broke over the horizon as the sun began to rise. And Elliot turned to his uncle and saw that his, he was just smiling from ear to ear. And he said, Uncle Seamus, are you happy? He said, oh, yes. He said, Uncle Seamus, why are you so happy? He said, because the father of my Lord Jesus is very fond of me. I wonder if you feel like that. Do you feel that the father of your Lord Jesus is fond of you? That he loves you? You think he like has to love you because the Bible says it, but he really doesn't want to? You feel like you have to earn it? Or can you just receive the fact that just as a father has loved the son, the son loves you. And he has demonstrated that at the highest price of the cross. 
So the first thing, if we're ever going to get to this place of love, first and foremost, we have to receive uh, that kind of love. Uh, but then secondly, we have to then respond to that love, right? We've got to respond to it. Look at verse 9. He said, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love as I have kept uh, my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, the love that God has for us needs to be reciprocal. All right, that means he says, I love you and you love him back. That's how it works, right? It's, it, it would be a little awkward if, if you turned to your wife, guys, and you said, I love you so much. And it's like crickets, no response. Guys, that means you're in trouble, all right? Just to make a little note for that, all right? That's not normal, all right? Normally she would say, well, I love you too. And that's how the love works and that's how it deepens. One shows love, the other responds to that love. And that's how the nature of love grows and deepens. And so what he's saying here is, I have loved you. Now you have to respond to that love. How do you respond to that love? He said, by keeping his commands. That's how you respond to it. The way you show that you love Christ is by keeping his commands. Now, by the way, that's not the first time that he said that. In fact, uh, just flip over to John 14, verse 21. It's okay to move around in your Bible, all right? So John 14, 21, just a chapter before. At the end of it, 14, 21, this is what he said. And the one who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. In other words, he said, you know what? If you really love me, you're gonna keep my commands. And if you keep my commands, that's the way you say I love you back. And when you say I love you back, my father's just gonna love you more and I'm gonna show up in your life in deeper and deeper ways because he's saying, I've shared my love for you. I've spoken my love for you. Now you gotta respond in, in surrender in obedience. And that's how your love begins to grow. He says the same thing in John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you get that? I mean, if you, if you respond uh, to the, the love of Christ, you receive his love and then you respond back to him in surrender and loving obedience, uh, that is how you grow deeper and deeper. And his love settles in your heart and you grow in your walk with Jesus. Listen, your obedience, get this, this is really important. Your obedience to Christ is not out of obligation. It's not out of duty. It's not a drudgery. Well, I have to do this. No, no, it's not out of earning it. It is, it is out of response and gratitude for all that Jesus has done for you. And what else can I do? but to surrender back to him. And I love what he says in verse 11. He said, uh, I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In other words, man, when, when you're receiving the love of God and, and then you are saying, Lord, I'm surrendering myself to you and I'm saying I love you back in, in a loving, obedient surrender to you. He said, that's how you begin to experience joy in your life. This is the simple secret to the Christian's life. All right, it's not complicated. 
It's receiving the love of Christ and responding back to the love of Christ in willing, surrendered obedience. He said, that's how love and joy begins to well up in your heart. There's so many people, they're, after, they're chasing after happiness, but happiness depends on what happens to you, right? It's all circumstantial, but real joy comes out of this overflow of, man, Jesus loves me and I'm loving him back in willful obedience. And God, if there's anything in my life that's not right, if there's anything that's in the way of our relationship, then God, I want you to remove that. I want you to show it to me, God, so I can confess it and so we can be right together. That's how you have joy in the Christian life. I tell you what, you know, I, I, not every Christian's got joy. You know that, right? Don't, don't throw elbows, all right? No elbows. Uh, but there's some Christians look like they've been sucking on limes all day, right? They're just so puckered up and, oh, yeah, 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 this didn't happen right. That didn't happen right. I can't believe that. Really? You know, and they're just pointing fingers at everything. And I'm like, you know, something's, something's going wrong in their receiving of love and responding in love. Because when that's happening, there's joy the joy of Jesus that will sustain you no matter what your circumstances will fill in your heart. He said, it'll be full. He said, it'll be overflowing. It'll be over the top joy because of your love for him. So how do we get to this place of love? We get to this place of love by first receiving the love of Christ and then responding to his great love in obedience and now we can get to reflecting his love. Now that we've received it, now we respond back to it. Now we can start to reflect that love to other people. So let's look at verse 13. Check out verse 13. No one is greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command you. And do not call you servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Stop right there. Verse 12, he's going to say, now I'm going to command you to love. I want you to notice in, the, in verses 9 through 11, it's all vertical, right? Everything's about vertical. It's Christ's love for us, us responding in love to him, the joy that we have because of it. Everything is vertical. And only until that is straight can you get to verse 12 that says, now love one another. Now love each other out of the overflow of that, Right? You say, well, how do, we, how do we reflect the love of God then to each other? That's what we're trying to get to, this new kind of love. How do we reflect that to other people? And he uses a word here that's a unique word. It's the word friend, right? Unique in the sense that he hasn't called them friends like that up to this point. And, and how do friends treat one another? Well, one, one thing friends do is they sacrifice for each other. And that is what uh, Jesus is doing here. He's sacrificing uh, for them, he's going to the cross, right? He's about to give his life for them. And he said, listen, just as I am laying down literally my life for you, then you need to lay down your life for each other. That's how you show love to each other, is you sacrifice for each other. You know, a great picture of this is, uh, happened in 2014. 2014, Kevin Durant won the uh, NBA NBA's highest honor, the most valuable player. I don't know if you remember that. I remember watching this press conference uh, when it happened. But he's standing there and he's re receiving this MVP award next to this big trophy. And he spends the first couple of minutes, you know, thanking his coaches and all the people that kind of believed in him and helped him get to this point in his career. 
But then he, he turns the conversation. He starts to focus on his mother that's Wanda that's sitting on the front row. Now, here's what you need to know about Wanda. She was raising a couple of children as a single mom in, in, the, uh, in the inner city of Washington, D.C. She was a postal worker. And so he, he looks to her and he starts to speak to her as if no one else is in the room. And he said, Mom, you're the reason why I'm here. He said, Mom, you kept us off the streets. Mom, you put clothes on our back. He said, Mom, you put food on the table and there were many times we ate and you went to bed hungry. And then, of course, tears just start streaming down his face. And he said, Mom, you are the real MVP. You're the real MVP. I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking about this trophy here, but you're the real great one in the room. And, and everybody in the room knew that. Listen, greatness is motivated by a love for others, right? And that's what he's seeing here. Mom, you sacrifice for me. Let me ask you something. Are you sacrificing for anybody? Or is it about you? Are you, are you demonstrating your sacrifice at home by caring for the interests of others and not yourself? Uh, looking out for another one, not yourself? Uh, being willing to take a step back so somebody else can take a step forward? Is that happening in your relationship? Are you doing that with each other? Are you sacrificing for another, praying for one another, helping one another? Uh, this is a kind of love uh, that Jesus is talking about. A love that sacrifices. Also, uh, the way we love each other, we reflect Jesus' love, is not only in sacrifice, but also in a shared life together. Jesus goes on to say, everything the Father said to me, I've, I've told you. I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you my friends because everything that I have, I'm sharing with you. In other words, real love for one another is a shared life, right? That we're sharing uh, what we're dealing with and we're sharing what's going on in our life and we're sharing our hearts openly with vulnerability and authenticity. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, okay, great. You know, that's great for you to talk about that up there, preacher man, but, but you don't understand my church hurt. See, I tried that one time. I was in a group and, and, and I shared something and somebody shared that, uh, uh, that what was spoken in confidence, they shared it out of that. And that really hurt me. Or I went to this church one time and I was in the hospital and nobody came to see me or I, I had a real problem and everyone turned their back on me or I, I tried, I went to this pastor and, and this pastor betrayed me or he mistreated me or whatever the case may be. And listen, I, I, I want you to understand, I'm not discounting that any of those things happen. We know that we don't often love each other well. Can we just say that? We all got room to grow in this. But here's the deal. You can't let one person's failure to minister to you keep you from receiving and sharing life with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Can't do that. Think about Jesus, all right? He was in this room, he's saying, I'm pouring out my heart to you and just as I, I have loved you with this eternal love that my father has. You know who was in that room just prior? Judas. He had literally watched Judas's feet. And this was Judas, right? This Judas who's gonna, who's gonna betray him and turn him over and turn his back on him and, and, and actually set the course in motion for him to go to a cross. And, and, and yet he did not allow the hurt and betrayal of Judas to keep him from opening up his heart to these other disciples. 
So some of you in this room today, you've been harboring and holding on some offenses of the past and you have pushed everyone else away. And listen, if you push everyone else away, guess what? where that leaves you? All alone. And that's not how we reflect the love of Christ. We reflect the love of Christ when we sacrifice for each other. We reflect the love of Christ when we share openly our lives with each other. You know, I was thinking about that this week, this reflecting the love of Christ. And, uh, and I, I was just in my regular time with the Lord this week, not sermon prep time, and uh, just reading the Bible and praying. And I was in my, I'm a one-year Bible guy, so I'm in the one-year Bible. And, and it was in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I was reading in the New Living Translation. And it came across a verse that really jumped out at me. It says, and we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him uh, and become, become more and more like him. And um, I was thinking about that. We can be mirrors. You think about a mirror, right? I'm not gonna hit you guys in the eyes, you know, blind you with the light. Actually, I am doing that right now. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> ah, retina. Anyway. But you think about a mirror, right? A mirror, uh, when you're looking into a mirror, it's accurately reflecting back the image that's in it. And the more you are receiving the love of Jesus and the more that you are walking in fellowship with him and loving obedience to him, then you can be a mirror that reflects that same kind of love to other people. In fact, it would be kind of odd for you to be in such fellowship with him and, and yet not reflect it, right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Guys, you need to reflect this. But have you ever heard of the term mirror rot? Mirror rot? It's, a, it's actually a thing. You can Google it, all right? Mirror rot. Mirror rot is, is when uh, the reflective coating of the mirror becomes compromised and it starts to get black on the edges. And then if it continues, it can creep even more into the mirror and actually begin to distort the image, the reflection itself. And I, there are a lot of people um, who have allowed some things to be like mirror rot in their own life. Some unforgiveness, you know, somebody brings that name up and instantly uh, there's, there's hostility, right? Or, or anger that, that flares up in a moment or maybe it's greed in your own heart and life or maybe it's just selfishness in your own heart that constantly is coming up. Uh, maybe it's lust, maybe it's whatever the case may be. But, but these things begin to take root in your heart and, and instead of reflecting the love of Jesus, even the love for your enemies, even the love for those that don't love you back, instead of reflecting that love, all of a sudden the, the image of Jesus begins to get distorted. And you're no longer reflecting that. Somebody may say, well, I thought uh, he was a Christian and wow, look at that. Or I thought she was supposed to be a, uh, she goes to church and yet she acts that way and God help us, right? Um, what we need is a greater renewal of his love in our own hearts, in our own lives. And so Jesus said, guys, you got to get this. You got to love each other. This world's going to try to separate you. 
You got to love each other. You got to to receive my love, the deep abiding love that I have for you, the unending love. You've got to respond to it back and and surrender and obedience to me. And I'm going to give you some joy in that. And then that's going to flow out as you reflect my love, as you sacrifice for one another, as you share life together. And then the result of this is found in verse 16. If we were to live like this, look at, look at verse 16. He said, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce fruit, uh, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Did you get it? He's like, man, you need this new kind of love. You need a different kind of love, not in concept, but in quality. The kind of love I have, I need that to be flowing out in your life. So when people come in to your fellowship, they can see a different kind of love. And he said, when you do that, the results of that are going to be unity, right? You're walking together in your purpose. You're making disciples. You're taking the gospel to the nation. When you do that, prayers are going to be answered. When you do that, there's going to bear fruit that's going to really remain. In short, the world's going to notice a difference when God's people really love one another. Do you love like that? You know, John, the apostle John, uh, he wrote these words of Jesus, right? This was his eyewitness account in the gospel of John. I believe these words of Jesus, this command to love one another was just seared in his heart and mind. I believe that because when you read other writings of John, as in 1 John, 2 John's 1, you see this repeated theme, right? Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. It's just a repeated thing. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, early church theologians, tells that when John was a very old man, now living in Ephesus, that death was near And he wanted to visit several of the churches in Asia Minor and he couldn't walk so they had to carry him to each of these congregations. And as he sat in their assembly, he would say these words, little children love one another. John had one point sermon because every sermon was the same. Little children love one another. You can... Just see Grandpa John, right, sitting there. He's an old man. He's the last living apostle. He's remembering now. His mind is flashing back to that night with Jesus when he gave this command. Little children love one another. Someone came to him and said, John, why why do you keep repeating that same message over and over and over? And John was accounted with these words. He said, it is the command of our Lord And if we do this, nothing else remains. What do we need? We need a new kind of love. We need a a fresh awakening of Christ's love in our hearts right here and right now. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Lord, I thank you for your love for us your love that never ends. Lord, we can't even fully fathom the depth of your love, how much you love us. We cannot fully comprehend how you have demonstrated your love to us. And Lord, we wanna love you back. We wanna say I love you back, not just with words, but with our actions, with our obedience. 
And Lord, I pray that as we walk in deepening fellowship with you, that that will be reflected to the people around us. That Lord, we would love each other well. That when people come into this church, they would sense the presence of your spirit and the depth of the love that we have for each other. To pray for each other, sacrifice for each other, share our lives together. Oh, Father, forgive us some areas that, we, that have rotted out the reflection of you in our lives. And Lord, fill us again with your great love. Lord, we love you and we worship you now and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.